Welcome back, everyone, to Just James Horror Reviews. I'm your host, Just James, and this is episode number nine. Today, we're going to be talking about a 1999 film, The Blair Witch Project. This is going to be a three-part series. This will be the first movie, and then I'm going to talk about the second and third movie that are not just titled Blair Witch 1, 2, and 3, so... We'll go over that as we get to it, but The Blair Witch Project came out in 1999. I saw this movie in theaters when I was a teenager, and I absolutely loved this film. I loved it when it came out. I love it today. I watched it again in preparation for this episode, and this movie still slaps today just as much, and I would even say more so than it did back when I was a teenager. So when the movie first came out, it had a lot of mixed reviews. A lot of horror fans that I was aware of back then, how much are you aware of as a teenager? I don't know. But a lot of people didn't like it because it was just this real shaky found footage film. Uh, A lot of the frames weren't, you know, set um, in a traditional way. You know, a lot it was a lot of just like people's feet or maybe their back, you know, just someone holding the camera down instead of up where it's supposed to be. So. Today, and if you're not familiar with this film, if you're listening to this and if you're a horror fan, you're going to be familiar with this film. But however, if you're not, this is kind of one of the first found footage films to come out like this. Now, I mean, all films, not all of them, but a lot of the horror films now are this. However, they're still done with an artistic lens. They're still done with great cinematography, framed shots, and different elements in them that make them, uh, you know, more, more than just a found footage film. So... This came out in 99. You have to understand that around that time is kind of when the handheld camcorder got a lot smaller and everybody had one. Kids had them. Adults had them. They became, you know, not very expensive. The the tapes for them and all that became not very expensive. And so everyone had ones recording stuff. I mean, this is back when America's Funniest Home Videos was out. This is back when shows like Cops and uh, just other I can't think of the other one I was going to say, but, you know, Cops, America's Funniest Home Videos, these other shows where people with home cameras were sending in videos. Well, back then, when people were using these cameras, they didn't, you know, they weren't, it wasn't common like it is now. People grew up with these, you know, there's people that don't know a life without having a camera because it's on our phone. Well, back then when you were recording stuff, you didn't look through the camera like you would like you would now when people hold their phone up. You know, everyone holds their phone up in front of their face to record something. They look through the lens. Well, you still looked with your eyes back then, okay? Especially if you were new to using cameras. You know, obviously, if you were some kind of professional, you wouldn't. But people, just your average person with a with a camera, they would look with their eyes so the camera would be tilted downwards or to the side because they'd just be holding it in their hand. They were heavy. They had a big, huge hand strap on them, or you had to put it on your shoulder, or it was the smaller version where, again, you just weren't used to looking through this little peephole to see uh, what, what the camera was looking at. So it came out. It utilized this technology for the first time to create a horror film. I thought it was great. And I watched If you want to watch this, it's available on a couple of different platforms. I watched this on Pluto TV. If you've never heard of Pluto TV, it's a free TV service. You just go to their website and you can watch a whole bunch of different movies uh, for free. However, let me tell you, there are about <laughs> like five commercials every 10 minutes if you watch it because that's the price of free, baby. You got to watch all these commercials. So if you can stomach that, watch the movie. However, it's going to lose some of its flavor because of all the mini commercial breaks that come on. Um, It is available on Amazon Prime, but for some odd reason, it's 
on there, but not available to watch. So I don't if if you've ever had this issue with Prime where there'll be a movie that's on there that you can watch, but it'll say, "Oh, it's available. You have Prime. You're allowed to watch it, just not right now." What what is that? What is that Amazon Prime? Why is it not available right now? I don't understand. I pay for the Prime. It's on there. I want to watch it. It's not on there. I had to go to a free TV service and watch 9,000 commercials just to see this movie. Anywho, so The Blair Witch Project, it was directed by uh, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, Daniel Myrick, looking at his stuff, I don't know if he's done much since then, but Eduardo Sanchez has done a ton of TV series. Uh, He was involved in VHS 2. He was involved in uh, the movie Altered and also uh, the TV series. One's called Taken. Uh, it's a it's based off the movie with Liam Leeson. It's a series. He he was involved in American Horror Story, From Dust Till Dawn, Supernatural, Loose for Yellow Jackets, and my personal favorite, Charmed. That's right. I said it. I don't hate horror is horror, right? It's about witches and goblins and demons and all kinds of stuff. I'm a '90s kid. Charmed was off the chain, right? Get over it. So anyway, uh, the movie. When it comes on, it says that it was found in 1994. But again, like I said, the movie was released in 1999. So they kept it even in the same time period of when the movie came out. So a lot of times you'll see a horror movie and like it, you know, it'll be in it'll be in the past or like way in the past or way in the future. So this one kept it current to as you watched it, it added to the realism because like how they were talking, the vehicles they were driving, you know, everything that was around them was the current date. So I thought that also added to the realism. And two, you know, let me say this. When it came out, uh, just like, well, I won't say just like, it's not anything like Cannibal Holocaust, but if you remember the controversy around Cannibal Holocaust was people thought it was real. There was people who really thought that this was a real thing that happened and Blair Witch was the same way. There was people that thought, and maybe that's why a lot of, you know, like horror gatekeepers didn't like it because it became too popular and you had a bunch of people that believed it was something real that happened so then of course if everyone likes it and and you're the aficionado you gotta hate it right i don't know what that is but people do it so when it came out some people thought it was real or that it was possibly a real documentary and to make it even more realistic i think right after this they um they had a uh, like a follow-up it it wasn't really a movie i mean it it wasn't movie. it wasn't really a sequel but it was a document it was a documentary on the people that were in the Blair Witch but the characters so not the actors but the actual characters that were in there which further legitimized it and made people think well this is a real thing because i believe the Blair Witch is a real uh, folklore in Maryland where this is set however this particular movie is false so anyway i mean it's a you know it's a movie it's fiction so the movie starts out you got these uh, three these three college kids, they're going to find out about the Blair Witch and they're going to they're going to go into the woods and uh, try to find like some graveyards and a cabin that has to do with the lore. And as I go through this, I'm not going to get too deep into a lot of the the ins and out and the special little Easter eggs and all these little things that you can find um, just because there's been a thousand videos. Go on YouTube, look up any of them and you'll see a lot of great reviews where people point stuff out and. There's some really solid stuff on there. I just want to talk about just how much I loved this movie. And after watching it the other night, still do. And then just kind of give you a rundown of, you know, what's going on. So they go into this town, they interview a couple of people, and they find out that there's a cabin in the woods that uh, an old man used to live in. And they ended up finding the bodies of seven children that were murdered up there. 
and he came down in the town, said, my work's finished. They go up there, they find these kids, and that's the end of that. So that's part of that lore. Um, another part of the lore is that there's a witch up there, the Blair Witch, and there was some, I think they were trackers or hunters or whatever. They were traveling through the woods one day, and they saw these men on a rock that were tied by the hands and feet. So, like, their hand, like, one man was on the ground, and then another man's hands were tied to his feet, and then the third man's hands were tied to that guy's feet, and they made a solid structure is what that said. So I'm assuming that means they were all together, like a like a circle, I guess. Uh, they came upon that, and they were all disemboweled. They had these weird carvings on their faces, and uh, they said by the looks of it, it was all done while they were still alive. Anyway, these hunters go back to town to tell the police or whatever, and when they get back up there, all the bodies have been moved. All the bodies have been removed from that area, but you know the legend says it still smelled like death, and they knew they could tell that something had been there, but somehow... Someone had moved all these bodies. So this is all the information they get before they're going up there. A lot of, You can tell the townspeople, they believe it enough. One, one lady even says, I believe it enough to not go up there. And so it's just town where everyone knows about it. And there, there is a couple of funny interviews with, you know, you're some guys fishing and one guy's just like, you know, I, but you know, he's just basically saying it's a bunch of crap. It's not true. And his buddy who's drunk is like, I've, I've seen some smoky mist up there and it looked like a person, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you're full of it. And there's just really good dynamics. And so again, to think about these people being actors, and this is the first time that people are having to act natural in a way that this looks like something that's real on this found footage stuff. You know, it's not all dressed up. It's not framed shots, but yet these people are very believable. So as I watch this whole thing, I mean, it really does look like found footage and I wonder if it looks more so realistic now because of all the found footage stuff that's out today. So all the really well polished things that are out today make this uh throwback, you know, original found footage film look even more realistic because it's grainy, it's shaky, you know, it's not done with good cameras and and uh it, it's just these people talking. You know, it's just normal conversations that normal people that you could see very realistic conversations, um, not scripted out uh, things that just kind of push a story or a narrative or whatever as you're going through the the movie. So uh, the lead actress is Heather Donahue. She's going to be the one that kind of that is the, the center of the film, I would say. I don't know if she's done much after that. It, it says in her uh, filmography that she was in an episode of The Outer Limits. She was also in a Taken series, but funny enough, it's not Taken with Liam Neeson. It's some kind of like alien abduction show called Taken. I've never heard of it, but maybe I'll try to find it and check that out. Um, let's see. So anyway, they get all this equipment. Oh, and let me say too, in the beginning of the film, they throw in these little pockets of of things that are significant. So in a lot of films nowadays, you're kind of spoon fed things. You know, it might be something that's framed in the shot. It might be an object, it might be a phrase that someone says, it might be a, a, a place that they're going or a place that they're talking about that is going to foreshadow something that's coming up. And this does that in a very natural way. I thought it was, it, you know, none of it was cheesy or anything. So an example of that is in the very beginning with the, this female character, she, uh, She's showing some books that she's gone over before they go into the woods. One's like a survival guide, uh, then some books about the lore and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it just kind of sets the stage of of her being, I guess, somewhat of an authority 
in the woods, not really like a professional or anything like that, but she's an avid hiker. She's done her research on how to survive, and that all comes into play later when they start getting lost and they start getting stressed out and they kind of start attacking each other. So anyway, they uh, they get all the stuff together. They go out into the woods. They're looking for a graveyard that someone had told them about, like a Blair Witch graveyard or something like that. And they kind of start losing their bearings um, pretty early on. Uh, she's taking them off the trail. She has a map and she's taking them off trail to try to find this thing because obviously it's not on a trail. And uh, they start getting worried very early on that they're, that they're getting lost. They're not really finding their way. And I think it's maybe even like after the first night, they start losing their bearings. So they camp out for the first night and they wake up in the morning and they're talking about how one guy says, like, I, I heard something outside. It was like a, an owl or maybe it was a cackle. And so they're, you know, they're not really freaked out yet. I mean, they're just kind of like aware of something like this. You can tell like they're maybe a little nervous, but, you know, it's the first night. So they press on and uh Again, after that first night, they're already starting to get a little bit nervous. Like they kind of don't know, you know, it's, it's only been one day. So are they lost? Are they not lost? It's hard to say. It's just been one day. They're already off trail. So they're going to give it some time to see if, if they are lost or not. Anyway, as they're walking around, they finally come across what they've been looking for, what they think is the witch graveyard. And all it is is stacks of rocks. So they see these little stacks of rocks everywhere. And there's one that's up in like the nook of a tree. And a nest has been made out of like a crude nest out of some sticks with a pile of rocks in it. And again, this is a part of the movie I think where people were kind of upset. You know, it's it's a slow, I guess it is a slow build. Maybe it's more exciting for me because I know what all is going to happen. And I'm looking forward to these different scenes and stuff. But when it first came out. You know, this was very slow. I mean, nothing's happened this whole time. It's just like, you know, watching someone's vacation video almost, you know, just random conversations and stuff. And then finally they come upon this rock pile and you're like, oh yeah, this is it. We're going to see something. We're going to hear something. Something crazy is going to happen. Nope. Just a pile of rocks. But if, if you really just pay attention to the story and just let yourself just kind of fall into it, 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 and, and let yourself be rewarded by these little tiny scenes. I hear these little nuggets of, of things that, that are going to build up and build up and build up. They come across a graveyard and they find these stones. Well, I didn't pick up on this at first, but there's seven piles of stones. And they mentioned something in there about a lady they had interviewed that said something about piles of rocks. And she references a biblical name that I can't remember. So I had to look this up. The biblical reference is about using piles of rocks as grave markers and, and gravestones, and there's seven of them. Well, the lore about the seven kids that died uh, or that were murdered in that cabin by that old man. So, you know, it's all kind of starting tying together, right? So we got the seven seven dead kids, seven piles of rocks. It's all getting, you know, the juices, are, the horror juices are going, right? So they find these rocks. Uh, the guys are just kind of like, wow, big deal. They want to move on. The, there's two guys, and then the main character is the female character. So she's really excited about all this. She finds all that. She's recording. The guys are getting freaked out because, one, they feel like they're maybe getting lost. Two, they heard some kind of weird owl, screechy witch thing in the middle of the night. And now they've been walking around for almost two days, and they've just found a pile of rocks. So they're kind of over it, and tension really starts to build in the group. They start kind of picking at each other about little things, almost like a brother and a sister. You know, they just kind of just kind of like snapping back and forth with each other, but not really... Uh, screaming at each other, you know, it's not high tension yet. So uh, they find these rocks, they get 
you know, the footage of all that and they're talking about what it could mean or what it could be and they camp out again. So the second night they camp out, things just, things really start to pick up. So they're asleep and all of a sudden they're just hearing stuff crashing all over the woods. And also, uh, let me remind you with this found footage stuff and these old school cameras, there's no night vision. There's no, you know, things, you know, light filters or anything where you can kind of see in the dark. It's just black, which is another reason why I bet if you added up all the camera time, that's just black, it'd be almost 20 minutes, you know, it'd be like a third of the movie. So people didn't like that. You're just hearing stuff and it's just shaky and, you know, you can't see anything. It's all black. They feel like they're getting cheated out of something. But I really think it helps build the suspense. And if you watch this movie in the dark, it's the only way to watch this movie. You know, it really helps to add to that spook factor of, holy crap, what's happening? There's a witch in the woods. So anyway, they hear all these noises. They're trying to figure out what it is. It sounds like trees popping and cracking. And one of the guys, like, it sounds like people running around they realize that it's all around them. And one, I think even mentions like, it sounds like kids running around. So you're like, Oh shit, these kids, fucking ghost kids are running around camp, you know? So that's the, uh, that's the second night they wake up in the morning. What do they find outside their tent? A pile of rocks. They find this pile of rocks. They're all freaking out at this point. You know, they're trying to figure out, is someone messing with them? And, it's, you know, they talk about, like, is it some hillbilly out here that's just screwing with us? And some of them are like, the the other, you know, one person's saying that. Another person's like, hey, we're way out here in the middle of the woods somewhere. People aren't just out here screwing with people. There, there's no way that's what it is. So it's got to be this weird witch, whatever. They don't know what it is, but they don't believe it's something that's natural. Um, they, they uh... They're starting to attack each other a lot more at this point. And I think even this might be the point too, where uh, they've been trying to get the map from the female character. This once they realize that they're lost in the woods and she's not wanting to relinquish control of the map. And she wakes up this morning and the map is gone. And so they think that she's lying to them because she doesn't want them to have the map. And she thinks that they're lying and that they stole the map and don't want to tell her so that they can have it. And so again, you go back to this, like, mutiny type of you know nobody trusts anybody but we're all trying to survive and have to work together but we don't trust each other so really cool you know i think that whole feeling for me was a throwback to the thing you know where uh, mccready's like you know nobody trusts anybody anymore that quote just, just bangs in my head when i watch this so um at some point one of the characters and they all kind of are starting to go through this loopy kind of losing it phase says that he trashed the map he said it wasn't helping them. They were getting lost and just in some kind of weird, you know, uh, whatever you call it when you're getting loopy, when you're starting to lose it a little bit. And he threw the map in the river. So this is another big blow to them. You know, they're starting to lose hope at this point. And now this guy, because he's wigging out, decided to trash the map. Um, so, yeah. So there they are. They're still walking through the woods. They decide, they still have a compass, so they decide to pick. We'll pick one direction, and we'll just walk. You know, they're like, at some point, we'll we'll come out as long as we keep going in the same direction. So they're walking around, and all of a sudden, they come upon the the Blair Witch logo that we all know and love. You know, with the little stick person looking thing. They come uh, across a spot in the forest that is just absolutely full of these things. They're hanging in the trees. They're on the trees. They're in between the trees. They're just all freaking over the place and this is almost you know this is an hour and a half film i think you know give or take and this is almost an hour into the film before you really 
see this part. All the other stuff is just kind of like breadcrumbs here and there. You know, you're kind of getting a little taste of things here and there to kind of build this suspense. But this is the first time when you see this big, massive display. You know, I, I think it's the first cinematic part, I would say, in the whole movie. If you were to, you know, that doesn't, that even though it's a found footage film, I think it's the first part where they're like, okay, we're gonna have to do some props and some stuff over here to make this look like more than just some people walking around in the woods. So very cool. Like I said, but it's almost an hour in, so I get, you know, people are getting antsy, wanting to see something, you know, and you get that. So they go to sleep that night, and I believe it's night four, and this is when stuff pops off. Okay, night four. I have an hour of watching this. This is when it really starts getting good. So they start hearing all the, they've already been hearing all the stuff outside, and they, they can't figure out if it's because they have a fire, is bringing in these hillbillies or whatever. So they decide not to have a fire, and they hear the things anyway. And now this time you as the audience can actually hear kids like laughing and you hear like a baby crying and you hear all these people running around their tent and they're inside absolutely freaking out. And, you know, they're hungry, they're thirsty at this point, they're suffering from, uh, you know, fatigue and exposure and all that stuff. So you kind of get that little bit of madness that they're going through as well. And as they're sitting there trying to figure out what to do, all of a sudden, all these little hands start slapping the outside of their tent and they absolutely lose it. And, and you do too as the as an audience, you're just like, holy shit. So they bust out of the tent. They take off running. They, they all wind up together somewhere in the dark and they just wait just in there to the dark until the sun rises and then decide to go back to camp. So they go back to camp. Uh, it's trashed. Some of their stuff has been thrown around and missing. And one of the characters, Josh, his stuff has this weird slime on it. At some point he calls it blue slime, but I, you never really see it or I couldn't see it as blue slime, but it's on his bags. And he, and this is, this is what I'm telling you, man. This is like, people don't, unless you're just really paying attention, you know, he, he throws out these little things and he's like, you know, why is it just on my bag? And he says it kind of off to the side. It's not right in the microphone or anything. It's just like a side statement as you're focused on something else. It's these little tiny things that, you know, don't really make sense until later on. So it's just on his stuff. He's got that weird ghost slime or slime on his, his bag and he wants to know why. They're arguing with each other. They're fighting with each other. And there's this really, I think the word is poignant, but I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't tell you the definition of that word, but I think it fits right here. It's a poignant scene where uh, Josh takes the camera and he has it away from the main character, the female character, and he's recording her. Well, for the majority of the film, it's been her recording everyone else, which has been another part of their frustration because they feel like she's not taking it serious. She's just trying to make a movie or a documentary. So he has the camera on her. And you can see her losing all hope and he's just really ragging on her. And it's hard to watch, really. I mean, it's because he's just so he's he's kicking her while she's down. And he's trying to make her cry. He's trying to make her, you know, just completely shut down by saying a bunch of mean stuff. But as he's looking through the lens of this camera, his quote is um, his quote is, I know why you like this video camera so much. It's not quite reality. That quote to me is poignant it's one of those quotes where it means so much in that film and i think our modern day today you know sitting here making this recording in you know 2023 that it's not quite reality i mean did those people know in 1999 when they put this film out what it was going to be like today i just felt like that quote itself was so uh i don't know it's just deep maybe i went too deep into it i don't know but when he says i know why you like this video camera so much it's not quite reality i think that is the statement of the age so anyway they move along 
And it's at this point in the film, and again, we're well over an hour into it, and they finally realize they have proof that they've just been walking in circles because they cross this log thing across the creek or river or whatever it is. And after walking for like five hours, they realize they've come back to that exact same log. And the main character, she has a part where she just breaks down and loses it. And she's been pretty tough through this whole thing. I think she's still pretty tough through the whole movie. But uh, at this point, she just kind of loses all hope. And I think this is when they all realize, like, we're going to die. We're going to die out here. So they make they make, uh, they make make camp that night. And they wake up in the morning. And Josh is gone. I think I think this night they were actually having, like, a night watch. Like, someone was supposed to be up watching or whatever. But Josh, Josh is gone. They don't know if they should stay there and wait on him or if they should just move along and try to find him, whatever. They end up hiking out a little bit. Fast forward to, because nothing really happens, they go to sleep. This is their sixth, not, sixth night. They go to sleep, and that night they hear Josh screaming uh, in the middle of the night. And again, the camera is just totally, it's just blacked out. Like, you can't see anything. And if you do, it's just like one of their zippers or like the side of the tent or something. But you hear Josh and he's screaming, he's screaming for help. You can tell he's in a lot of pain. And they're they're yelling out for him. You know, they're they're outside the tent and they're yelling for him and they're trying to figure out where he's at. And they finally come to the realization, and I think Mike is the other character, and he says, he says, if it was Josh, he would be telling us where he's at. So they kind of have this realization, like, is that actually Josh? Because it is it's his voice. And, you know, it sounds like he's in a lot of pain. There's nothing else weird going on. There's not a whole lot of effects. You know, it's just those clues and the things you got to decide for yourself. Like, why is this scary? But anyway, he starts making all this noise. He's yelling and everything. They don't ever find him. And um, that morning, once the sun's up and all that, they realize that uh, they come out of the tent and there's a bundle of sticks right in front of their tent. It's not a pile of rocks anymore. It's a bundle of sticks. And it's wrapped, it's tied together with a cloth. And you realize that the cloth was something that Josh was wearing. And it's all like tattered and ripped up and whatever. So um, the guy just wants it out of there. The dude that's in the tent, he's like, just get that thing away from here. I don't want to touch it. I don't want nothing to do with it. Just get it out of here. So she goes over and tosses it. And then there's a scene where she sneaks over because she's whispering and she doesn't want Mike to know that she's over there messing with it. She unties it and the bundle of sticks like opens up. And there's a little tiny uh, sack of the the same cloth from his t-shirt that's soaked in blood. And when she oh, and this is the first. I mean, this is the only blood you see in the in the whole freaking movie. And you know that's why some people, you know, I guess didn't like it because it wasn't just like some slasher film or whatever. But she opens it up and it's got blood, hair, teeth. Maybe there's some fingernails in there. I can't really. It's hard to tell. But the teeth and the the hair and all the blood you can see for sure. And she just has like this panic attack. And it is a very realist you know the acting that's why i say the acting in here people oh it's you know it's fake or whatever but like her panic attack sounded real even though you can just hear the audio um because it doesn't show her face but yeah so she she has this like mini panic attack and then never tells mike what she found because he's already lost it a couple of times she doesn't want to add that to him but she just says hey we got to get out of here we got to we got to move on this is it we're done uh so that night they I think I think that night they decide they're going to go out and look for Josh. So they start hearing him scream and you can hear him like packing up and getting all their stuff together. They're not just going to sit there tonight. And I think this is like the seventh night. They go out and they decide they're going to find Josh. They hear him screaming. They're yelling for him. And after a very short walk, which they've already been all over this place, but after a very short walk, they end up finding 
a cabin. And, you know, we just assume it's the cat, the old man's cabin or whatever, but they've walked all over the woods and never find it. They find this really weird, like two story cabin. It's all run down. It got any windows. It's all busted up, dilapidated, I guess is the word for it, but it's just trashed. And they end up going inside because it sounds like Josh is screaming from inside and they go upstairs, they go downstairs, they're looking everywhere for him. They can't find him. Uh, Mike is just running crazy, like crazy eyed all over the place looking for him. And, you know, the female character, she's trying to like, she, she saw the blood and all the teeth and all that. So she's like, if it is Josh, it's pretty, you know, she's pretty sure he's dead. And so she's chasing Mike, trying to get him to stop. But he's, since he hears him inside the house, he's just trying desperately to find him. So they're chasing each other. And uh, finally they hear the sound in the basement, which is, you know, we all know this about the basement scene and that the guy would take him down to the basement and kill him one at a time. He would make one stand in the corner while he killed the other one. And he said in court that he did that because he couldn't stand the eyes of the second victim watching him. And that's why he made him stand in the corner while he killed the other one. That was discussed at the beginning of the film. But we all know that's classic, iconic, you know, black and white scene of Mike standing in the corner and the female character comes in. So that's when this happens. He runs downstairs into the basement uh, you see his camera break the threshold of the basement, and then boom, it just falls to the ground. Then it cuts to the camera that she has. She's running downstairs trying to find Mike. She goes downstairs. She goes into the basement, and there's Mike standing in the corner. And she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's freaking out. And then boom, her camera gets hit. And, bro, that's the end of the movie. Like, that's it. That's all you get. And so I understand that that could be a little you know, not satisfying. It's not the best ending, but I think for what the movie was trying to do and what they were trying to get at, it was off the chain. This, dude, this movie still slaps. I'm just telling you, watch it again. If you haven't seen it in a while, if you hated it back in the day, watch it again. You know, let me know if you still hate it or if you think it's got its place now, if nothing else, it's the one that started all this. It's the one that started all these found footage films and all this, you know, uh, VHS and record and all these other different movies. I mean, all of them, you know, that use this found footage type stuff. And, uh, it's just technology that was just been integrated and now is a part of our everyday life and the horrors that come with it. And I think they're the ones that started it, but still left that folk horror, you know, original kind of, uh, horror dread kind of stuff with using nothing but, you know, conversation, tone, setting and all that kind of stuff so yeah go check it out it's an awesome movie i i think it's i think it 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 holds a special place in my heart i'm going to review the second and the third one which are a lot different so tune in for that i think also uh and i will say the, the other movies that were out around this same time just to give you an idea if you weren't aware of it so this movie comes out it's found footage never been done before it's just kind of you know, it's a little weird for people who don't really know how to enjoy it or how to react to it or whatever. But the other movies that were out in the 90s, I mean, think about 90s horror. You had Dead Alive, you had Mimic, Dust Till Dawn, Cube, The Frighteners, It, Body Snatchers, Scream 1 and 2. I mean, they had just come out. Candyman, Strangeland for all my real horror folks out there. Uh, Urban Legend, House on Haunted Hill, another one of my favorites. All those came out in the 90s. So this thing was kind of, even though it was at the back end of it, 99, it was competing with all these other uh, horror movies that were out. So, yeah, I loved it. I still love it. I still think it's probably one of the reasons why 
folk horror and witches are my are the one things that I can still watch to this day that freak me <laughs> freak like truly freak me out that make me want to sleep with the lights on and uh it's just a good film man check it out so that's it that's the episode for today that's just James horror reviews thanks for tuning in take care